Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today. And a reminder that some guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it is the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. All right, I understand time might be a little bit limited with Louis DeBrusque today joining us from which airport, Louis? Where are you at right now? Actually, everything. Everything's okay. I just was going through security, so I thought I might not be able to get through in time to take the call, but everything's uh, solid, so I've got some time to chat. I'm in Edmonton, though. I'm just leaving for San Jose. Okay, so that's. I was going to ask you right off the bat, the series you're doing then, obviously Colorado-San Jose? Yep, that's the one I'm doing. Looking forward to it. It should be a a good battle, and, uh, you know, the avalanche kind of took everybody by storm the way they took out the flames in round one, the epic battle between San Jose and Vegas. Um, with that dramatic finish that I think everybody was uh, out of their seats watching that night. I couldn't believe that game, the way that turned around, how it ended. But um, two teams that uh, play a fast, aggressive style should be fun hockey to watch. Well, let's start there since you bring it up, Louie. Uh, what did you think of that whole incident? Because, you know, Bob said yeah. that basically changed the direction of the entire <laughs> series. I say you've got to kill the penalty a little bit better than they did. But what do you think? Well, I agree with both of you. I think, you know, there's no question that it shouldn't have been a five-minute major. That's, you know, it was it was a botched call. Um, obviously, they guessed because it didn't go anywhere near Pavelski's head to cross-check. It was unfortunate the way it happened. I mean, Pavelski's, uh, you know, a top-notch player. He's the captain of the team. He's one of those guys you love to watch, and he just took an awkward fall, and he hit his head. It was a, a bad, um, you know, call it... Uh, an unfortunate sequence of events that, that he fell that awkwardly. You know, a little stumble with Stastny, I think, is what caused him not to be able to right himself, but he went down really hard. We saw Alexander Edler earlier in the year have a fall similar to that, where he got tangled up in his own stick and just went face first into the ice and just couldn't, couldn't get a hand out in front of him to try and break that fall. But nonetheless, they give a five-minute major, Cody Eakin, and I mean give the San Jose Sharks a ton of credit. They absolutely jumped on that power play and took it over. I mean, I didn't expect them to score two goals, three goals, four goals. I mean, I I, I couldn't believe how quickly they went to work and started to pick apart that penalty kill. Their power play was great throughout the series, but that power play in particular was just outstanding. And, uh, I mean, you could feel it coming too. You know, Ray Ferrer was doing the game that night, and he said it best when – when Couture came back to the bench and said that's number one, you could just, the whole building just felt, okay, they're coming back in this game, and they did. San Jose has somewhat of an underrated home ice advantage, and, and you know, I think that Bob thinks that. Would you, is that safe to say? I'm sorry, what was that question? San Jose seems to, when they play at home, they've got, uh, they've got a home ice advantage, right? The crowd yeah. really gets into it. It's, it's somewhat underrated, <laughs> but it's very effective, isn't yeah. it? I agree. It is one of those buildings that they, they always get great fan support. And 
they really play up to the fans there. They like playing in front of their home team, and typically they're a team that comes out of the gates really aggressively at home. It hasn't been the case for them down the stretch and into the playoffs, but they're a team that usually you know, runs over teams in the first 10 minutes of a game. And that's the kind of style they're going to have to get back to against the Avalanche. But that building, you know what, is uh, it, it's kind of one of those hidden gems. You know, you don't, you don't hear about it. They have a, I want to say, a small um, population that cheers for hockey, but they're a dedicated population. When they, when they come to the games, they're geared up, they're ready to go, and um, they get behind their team. And it, it, it's been great. I've been there for two playoff series now in the last couple of years, and each time you go in there, it's it's a loud building. Louis DeBrusque on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline right now. It's the year of the underdog, that's safe to say, Louis. But what's most interesting to me is that it's different styles getting it done. Like I was saying uh, a little earlier on the show, so Colorado got past Calgary with speed and skill. Columbus got past Tampa Bay because they beat the crap out of them for four games. So it's almost circumstantial in how these underdog teams are getting it done, isn't it? It is, and they're playing to their strengths. You know, that's the one thing each team respectively that's moved through, and you watched every every matchup in the first round. The team that was able to exploit and, I want to say, execute the game that they wanted to play was the team that won. And, and that's for every single series. It was incredible. Um, that the team that went to work and was able to play the style of game that they wanted to play typically was successful at the end of the game. And you're right. There's different ways you can do it. You can ground and pound like the Blue Jackets have done. You can be speedy and fast and high-octane like the Avalanche. Uh, I look at that St. Louis series that I did against the Winnipeg Jets. There was a little bit of everything in that series. And it was each team on each given night that kind of ran the other show to a certain degree. But then the other team would come back the next game and say, okay, you know what, we can kind of weather that storm and we can do that ourselves. They were both trying to play the same style. And it was the team that could get to that style the quickest that won those games. And credit the St. Louis Blues. They're a team that, you know what, all year long after the coaching change just continued to persevere, continued to battle under Craig Berube. And they were able to take out the Winnipeg Jets who, you know, going into it, in my opinion, were the favorites. But the St. Louis Blues were the hotter team coming into the playoffs. So it made just for a, a great battle. And, and they finished them off in six. So. I'll tell you, styles make fights in boxing. We always talk about that, you know, different types of styles, which one's going to win, which one's going to overcome, who's going to be able to execute the style they want and and with that knockout punch. And uh, it'll be the same in the second round. There's going to be some real... uh, slugfest I believe in the second round so because you brought up the St. Louis series and obviously you were doing that one what did they show you in getting past Winnipeg that leads you to believe that maybe this is finally the year they make a run right to the cup final well you know what they play for one another I mean you can really tell on the benches and we talk about that a lot it's a cliche you know play for one another all for one one for all but when I watched that team and I watched that bench from close proximity being between the benches, they really did. And the other thing for me is they never, ever got down. Even when they were down two, three goals, they continued to attack and they continued to push back. The one game, you know, that Winnipeg was able to win the game, I believe it was 6-3. to three. They scored three goals in the second and three goals in the third. But in that third period... The Blues continued to push and close that lead down. They never gave up the entire game. And because of that relentlessness, they just they always felt like they were in the game. They always felt like they could come back. And then once they got the lead, they were really good at holding on to it. Listen, Jordan Bennington was the story in that series. He was fantastic. He's He's been a remarkable story ever since he stepped on board in the National Hockey League. Um, but that team 
has been through a lot of adversity this year, and I do believe that adversity has helped them into the playoffs. Chatting right now with Louis DeBrusque. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today. Louis, I don't think it's ever been more apparent how much parity there is in the NHL. Yeah. And when you compare that across the major four sporting leagues, I don't think it's it's rivaled. Do you like that about the NHL and, and how the game has sort of shifted to anybody can win it in any given year? Love it. I think it's the way it should be. I really do. I, 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 you know, I think this is what they've been striving for as a league to have this type of parity, to have these type of matchups and battles. And you look at the first round, what happened in that first round, that says it all, how far this game has come in that regard. And it's, to me, it, it just makes for the best hockey because it's, it's so unpredictable. It's so unpredictable, even though the best team, we know who the best teams in the league are because of their consistency, because of the way they play, and because of their records. On each given night, any team can win. In each playoff series, any team can win. And I truly believe that. If you look at the teams that have been knocked out already in this first round, going into the second round, this thing is wide open, and any one of the eight teams that's left over, in my opinion, can walk right through and win the Stanley Cup. That, to me, is exciting. I look at that and say, that is incredible. Who's going to grab those reins and continue to play the way they played in the first round and carry it over from round to round to round? Um, I like to see new Stanley Cup champions. I really do. I like to see teams that haven't been in those positions win it. Um, I still like to see teams that haven't won it for a while win it. I I just like the fact that it's up for grabs and you're going to have to fight to win it. Up to 25 years now since we've had a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. Uh, yeah. Do you have an opinion on that? Does that make a difference yeah. in the game? What do you think about that? Well, I think it does for me being Canadian. I think it does certainly for people that I know here in, in Canada and Edmonton. And, you know, I would like to see another Canadian team win it really soon. I really would. I, I, I think it just bolsters the sport in our country. I think it just bolsters the respective city that that team is from. And it gives you hope. It gives you hope that, you know what, okay, things are turning around. I, I do believe we're on the verge of seeing that happening. I really do. I think in the next five years there will be a Canadian champion. I just, I just look at the way teams are trending, the way the NHL is trending, the parity. I just think, yes, it's time. It's long overdue. Uh, there's been some finals, unfortunately, that haven't gone Canada's way. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's just better for the game. I really do. And I think especially being Canadian, I know myself, when it gets down to the final Canadian team, I cheer for them. I want them to win because they're, they're on the Canadian side. That's just the way that I am. Um, unless it's the Boston Bruins, I, I might not cheer for the Canadian team. But, um, you know, that's just how I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer towards that Canadian team because I'd like to see that Stanley come back, come back to our country. It's been a long time. Louis DeBrasque on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. If you had to anticipate who, which Canadian team Louis might be the closest to achieving that, who, who is it for you? That's a really good question. You know, I, I thought the Flames this year had a really good chance. You know, and you look at what's happened here now in this first round. That was that, that was an opportunity that was missed. They ran into a really hot goaltender number one in Grubauer, and they ran into a really hot team. Nathan McKinnon took his game to a whole new level. But that was an opportunity for the Flames. They get by that first round, and they say, "Okay, you know what? This is what we've done all season long. We were tops in the West for a reason. Um, the doors are open." to continue on that stretch and, and go for a long run. It didn't happen, and that's unfortunately just the way the game goes. I think the Flames are close. I think they have a real solid team. I think the Maple Leafs are close. I really do. I know that people give them a lot of flack for losing to Boston two years in a row, but that's a pretty darn good team in Boston they lost to. And the Leafs, 
are a highly skilled team. They really are. And I think they have some great pieces there to build around. And I can't, I can't not talk about the Edmonton Oilers. When you have 200-point producers and Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, you can build around that. I really do believe with the right pieces and, and not too far into the future with the right moves, you can turn that around in a hurry. And we've seen other organizations do that. One of the teams that I'm going to call here in the second round is the Colorado Avalanche. And this is a team that a few years ago, I mean, didn't look like they could do anything in the standings. And the next thing you know, um, they're into the second round this year. They made the playoffs a couple of years ago, and they're a team that's on the rise. I don't really want to do this to you, but I got to ask you for a finals prediction here because it's just been, it's been oh, so boy. wild. Who, who can you see? Maybe be it momentum or personnel or whatever. Do you, do you have a thought on that yet? You know what? I, I've, I've looked it over. And I know that people are picking series. It's funny. When I see the predictions from each respective series in this second round, I don't know if I've seen one prediction that's less than six games. So that tells me there's a lot of uncertainty yeah. in what people are thinking, and I'm no different. I can't. I honestly, with, with the way the first round happened, I don't – it's going to be really difficult for me to pick someone to come through. Mm-hmm. But uh, – being the fact that my kid plays for the Bruins, I'm going to take Boston in the East because I can't bet against blood. And uh, in the West, geez, that's a really good one. I, I think, you know what, I think seeing how San Jose was able to overcome the Vegas Golden Knights, I've, I've picked them a couple of times years ago. They're a team that perennially, perennially, perennially I can't even get that word out, yearly, um, is right there in the mix. I'm going to say this might be their year. I'm going to throw another curveball at you here, Louie, and we'll leave you with this. Justin Williams, the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, he's he's sort of a journeyman. He's he's arguably one of the most unsung playoff performers in the league. I'm wondering if there's anybody from your playing days that you can think that just, you know, a steady Eddie kind of guy who just seems to find his way onto these Stanley Cup teams. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Is there anybody from your playing days maybe that you can relate that to, a guy like Justin Williams? Oh, good question. You know, um, there always is. You know, I play with Brian Noonan. Brian Noonan was one of those guys that scored big goals and, you know, was kind of a role player. But when the, the big games were on the line, he scored big goals. And, you know, I look back to there was all, there always seemed to be those those role players on the wings. You know, when I look back to the Detroit Red Wings, that McCarty, Draper, Malpy line, you know, I just can't help but look at that line and say how dominating they were in the playoffs. Uh, they scored some big, big goals. Now, out of that, out of those, that trio, respectively, I can't pick any one guy off the line, but more so the line, um, which you know you, they always say you have to have a strong third line minimum to win the Stanley Cup, and I agree with that. I, you look at over the, the Stanley Cup champions, it's the depth and it's the strength. After you get past the top two, when they start to neutralize one another, it's the depth of your team that's going to win you that that game and potentially that round. And back in those the heyday of the wings when four Stanley Cups, that trio right there, you know, for me when I was playing and at the end of my career, that those three always stood out to me as they could go up against anybody at any time and in any situation. Great stuff, Louie. Always appreciate you taking the time. Uh, have a great call in this series, and I hope you really get to enjoy a couple of good games there, hey? All right. Thanks a lot. I hope so, too. Thanks, Louie. That is Louis DeBrusque, Sportsnet color analyst. Uh, was curious what series he was going to end up doing. He is heading down to San Jose for Sharks Avalanche. I, 
I don't know. I don't know who to pick out of that series. That's a that's an interesting one because to me, San Jose is the meticulous, wily group. They've got some electric young forwards and guys like Hurdle and Timo Meyer, obviously. But you know, trying to match Colorado's speed, I don't know. Colorado trying to match their experience, not going to happen. Twelve forty nine at Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers. Now we'll get to some of your texts on the other side of this pause. We'll get to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing as well. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Brendan Escott in today for Mr. Stoffer. It is 1253 in Edmonton. Get to a couple texts here on the Heartland Ford text line. Northside Sam in Edmonton says, Brendan, I am still watching the playoffs, and I'm way more relaxed than if there were any Canadian teams left. I never cheer for any Canadian teams other than the Oilers. I hate them, so I'm loving it. Again, Northside Sam. Interesting take. I I tend to disagree. I mean, you know what? If you're that diehard of an Oilers fan, all power to you. I just... I can't get over the fact that I've not been a living, breathing human being on Earth with a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. That just frustrates the hell out of me. Camrose Flint, an interesting topic here. Regarding the Calder Trophy, all the hype has been on Elias Peterson and nobody else. How about a serious look at Buffalo's D-man, Rasmus Dahlin? The Swede was stellar with 44 points, playing a much harder position than Peterson. And then there's Jordan Biddington, who single-handedly saved the Blues' season, also playing a much harder rookie position than the Canucks sniper. Your thoughts from Camrose Flint. That's a tough one because... Peterson really hit the rookie wall after a certain point by his own admission. I think Bennington, because of what he's done for St. Louis and getting them to this point, I think he's got to be in serious consideration. It's not all about the point totals, people. NHL today for elite promotional marketing. More than just sportswear. Well, no rest for the wicked. Round one ends last night. Round two starts tonight. Boston hosting Columbus. St. Louis entertaining Dallas as well. A bunch of news out of Toronto, of course, with their exit interviews. The main headline, Zach Hyman having surgery to fix a torn ACL, which he did play on throughout that Boston series. He will miss six months at least. Will miss training camp as well. That happened in game four against the Bruins. So he played for three games on a torn ACL. Good Lord. Montreal Canadiens re-upping with veteran center Nate Thompson, signing him to a one-year, $1 million contract extension. Canucks doing the same thing with goaltender Thatcher Demko, two years with an AAV of $1.05 million. The Senators did get permission from Pittsburgh to interview Jacques Martin for their vacant head coaching position, but we should note that they also have interviewed interim head coach Mark Crawford, Binnington, Binghamton Senators coach Troy Mann, and a couple others for that job. Alex Ovechkin announcing today he will join Russia for the upcoming World Hockey Championships. Bakersfield Condors taking a 2-1 series lead into Game 4 versus the Colorado Eagles on Saturday. Looking to close out that best-of-five first round. Prince Albert evened up the WHL's Eastern Conference Final with the Edmonton Oil Kings last night, winning 2-1 at Rogers Place. They are in Prince Albert tomorrow for Game 5, Game 6 right back here on Sunday. Out west, though, the Vancouver Giants pushing Spokane to the brink of elimination, winning game four in overtime last night, 4-3. That gave them a 3-1 series lead. They can close it out at home tomorrow night. Brooks Bandits, Prince George Spruce Kings squaring off in game one of the Doyle Cup.
Cup tomorrow night down in Brooks in Canada. Currently playing Latvia in the quarterfinals of the U18 World Championship. As I look up to the television, it is a 2-0 Canadian lead. One more text I want to get to here. This is Dylan in Lacombe. Yeah, we talked with producer Brad about if Barry Trotz makes the cup final, would he be the first coach ever to do it with two different teams and back-to-back years? Well, apparently, says Dylan in Lacombe, Tommy Gorman won the Stanley Cup coach in the Hawks in 1934, won it again in 35 with the Montreal Maroons. He says he's the only coach that he can find to do it back-to-back. Pretty interesting. Long time ago. I'm a young buck, right? You all know that. And so it's not that I dismiss old-time hockey, but when you're comparing a league that had six teams to a league that is going to have 32 in a couple years, it's a different ballgame. But there you go. Tommy Gorman, the answer to that trivia question. One more here. Uh, This is out of Edmonton. Actually, excuse me. Dan and LaRange is who this is from. Cannot believe this isn't being discussed more. The Oilers have to be worried that a team will offer sheet Yessa Pugliarvi. $4 million offer will only cost the team a second round pick on a one-year deal. It's an easy gamble for a team at the cap floor, especially with the Oilers cap crunch. Would you pay Yessa Pugliarvi $4 million after his couple of seasons at the NHL level? That's what you got to ask yourself. Not a crazy suggestion, but I think that the Oilers would be in tune enough with what's going on in the league that they would try and get something for them before it came to that. All right, 12.58 here in Edmonton when we come back from a global news weather traffic update with Kyle Morris, Brian Burke. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack, it's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.